listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Now, please stay standing. Sorry, don't stay seated. Stay standing and give a huge welcome to our wonderful pastor as we get to hear part two of an amazing message from last week. So glad that he didn't cut it short. Pastor Steve! Thanks, appreciate it. Yes, you know that they love you if they make fun of you a little bit. There was no sarcasm in the fact that this is part two. Uh, it's great to be loved, though, and that's why we make fun of you. Right? You know your family if people feel comfortable enough to, to laugh with you and then maybe laugh a little bit at you and help you to laugh at yourself because don't take yourself so seriously, okay? All right? Okay, it's great to be in God's house. Uh, we're in week two of the first week of our series entitled Pneumatic Believers. And the illustration from last week was I brought in two tools. One was the original hammer that I purchased for the very first house I built that knocked every nail and everything from the foundation all the way up to the roofing shingles. And I used that hammer for a year on six different houses as we co-built houses. Not a, not a power tool to be found other than saws. And now I've been doing some remodeling at my house and I'm using my pneumatic nailer. A lot easier. Just pull the trigger and it shoots a nail into the wood. And very much like that empowered nailer, because without the air, it, it wouldn't do anything. I could pull the trigger, nothing would happen, is this idea of the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. Now, Jesus came to give his life for us, to teach us, to not only be buried, but be resurrected, showing he has power over sin, over death, hell, the grave, and to, to transmit that, that same opportunity to all of us in a relationship with God. Uh, but as he was leaving, he made a very, very important statement about the, the value of him leaving. He said, it's good for you that I go away. Now, I don't think there's too many people that said amen in the crowd that day because the idea of him leaving, he had really just gotten here and he was just really getting his ministry going and many miracles were happening. How could it be good if that went away? Well, he said, it's good if I, that goes away because I'm going to send not a helper, but the helper. And they didn't really even know what that meant, but what he was talking about was the Holy Spirit. And as we read about the Holy Spirit, even in this verse in Acts chapter 19, the word there for spirit is pneuma. It's the idea of a force, of a pressure. It's like wind that would go into the sail of a sailboat and cause that boat that otherwise has no power in and of itself, and yet when the wind gets in the sail, it can push that boat. And as the the lead of the boat tips the sail. He's able to use the pressure of the wind to direct the boat into different areas. And here's the truth for you and I. The Holy Spirit has come to be your helper. He's come to help you. And Dave, I know you were call out on him to, to fix a car at work. The Holy Spirit's not just for church. He's for work. He's for parenting, moms and dads. You, you needed the Holy Spirit this morning, maybe to help you to parent your child. And you'll need the Holy Spirit to help you to know the answers sometimes for a test and sometimes for a promotion or what to do in a situation. He's come to be your helper 24-7, every day of the week. Now, the truth is, though, sometimes 
like a compressor that has air to force those nails to come out of the air gun, sometimes we're not connected to that source. Although the source is there, the source is functioning, because we're not plugged into that source, we end up trying to drive the nails with our own effort. I don't know about you, there's a big difference between banging a nail and then shooting a nail or multiple nails. A huge difference between doing life with your own wisdom, your own help, your own own creativity, and then relying on the Spirit of God to help empower you into situations. And so it's my invitation to you to, to recognize what causes that disconnection, what causes the airlessness that can happen in our lives, and to step in and plug in and be helped by the Spirit of God. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity this morning to again look into your word. We thank you for Holy Spirit, that you're here, that you're within us, but you also uh, invite us to be active in our relationship with you so that we experience help. And I pray, God, that you will open our eyes to maybe some things that we're not aware of or some things that we've misunderstood to to wrap our, our arms and our lives around the Spirit of God who is here on earth to help us, to empower us, to help us in all things. And so we say thank you for your word, Lord, this morning. We pray, God, that you'll illuminate it to our eyes, help us to see what otherwise we would miss so that we can experience all that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand before you're seated. Lord, we honor you in this place and in this house. High five the person next to you. Grab your notes. Of course, you can uh, follow along online. If, uh, if you'd like the copy of the notes and do your own research, I r- highly recommend it. Uh, and let's just go ahead and dive in. Um, in, this, in this idea of, um, of, of being empowered by the Spirit of God, that pneuma, that wind, we are leaning into the idea about uh, airlessness specifically over last week, and I thought I would be done, but obviously it's uh, taking until this week. Uh, I remind you that we talked about Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit would come to help us, and as long as we lean into that help, we experience that help. Um, Looking out through the scripture, Jesus even went on to say that help isn't just around us, but in John chapter number 14, uh, verse 16, that help is actually deposited within us. It's resident. It's inside of us, and it's designed, he is designed to be engaged so that whatever we're doing, we can, we can experience his help. Uh, last week, we began that process of talking about the reasons why we become disconnected from the compressor or why our sail falls down, and although the wind is still blowing, we're not experiencing a push on our boat. Sometimes we don't even realize that's going on. In fact, the verse that I, I started off with last week out of the book of Acts chapter 19 was an individual who was a disciple, and he was asked the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you began following Jesus? And he responds, he's like, I I didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. And I'll be honest with you, in Christianity today, especially, specifically, North American Christianity, I would say that the Holy Spirit is the least known, the least leaned into person of the Trinity. People understand the concept of God the Father. We definitely understand Jesus and what he's come to do. But the Holy Spirit is kind of like an asterisk, kind of many times treated like an option on a new car that, well, I don't know a lot about him, but, you know, it's not that big of a deal because I've got Jesus. And while there is some truth to that thought process, Jesus alone means you still doing it on your own power. Okay? 
Jesus came to create an opportunity for you and I to have a relationship with God, but it's not to be done in your own strength. And all of the things that God has for you, there's going to be some motion that you have to engage in to experience all of those things. And if you have to do that in your own power, it's going to be really challenging. Again, nailing with a, a, a hammer is much different than using an air gun. And you can build a house two, three times faster just because of you know, that type of help, let alone the amount of physical energy that doesn't have to be expended. You and I spend a lot of time expending energy because we don't engage the Holy Spirit. And so again, my challenge for you is to understand that the Holy Spirit, you might be, have no knowledge of the Holy Spirit at all, that's okay. I invite you into that understanding and into this journey over the next few weeks. And if you are kind of midstream, like you know some things about the Holy Spirit, you've, helped, you've experienced some of the Holy Spirit, that's great. Lean in, there's more always and at all times for you to experience of his help, okay? Uh, a week ago, we talked about the reasons for being airless, and one of them just simply uh, is ignorance. Like the man who we started off with talking about, he's a follower of Jesus, and though he was born again, and he had the Spirit of God within him, because to become a believer, it, that's what takes place, he did not know anything about the Holy Spirit. And so there are people who are believers who are ignorant of the help that they have. Um, I read about a family that was lower middle class and they struggled financially. Their kids grew up, graduated, went off into their own endeavors. Mom and dad got older, passed away, and the kids came back to settle the, the, the small estate. And in the process of settling that small estate, mom and dad who struggled to make it week after week after week, uh, they actually came across a Chinese vase with a small image of a fish on it. And they thought it was maybe just a trinket, but decided to have someone look at it. All that to say the value of that vase was $85 million sitting on the shelf of a family who had no clue of the value that was right within their own hands. And I would say worth way more than $85 million is the help of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he is resident and he can be just shelved. You got to hear that. He can be shelved, and maybe he's been shelved to this point in your life, but I want to challenge you to step in and enjoy all of the value of this deposit that's been made in your life, because every believer has this. So we want to get beyond ignorance. So read your Bible and, and invite the Lord to show you, Lord, teach me the Holy Spirit. Show me the times when the Holy Spirit shows up. Let me read the scriptures about the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, wait and invite the Holy Spirit to come and help you. And that's how the book of Acts kicks off. And so maybe that becomes your prayer during these next weeks and months. So ignorance would be number one, you just didn't know what you didn't know. Number two could just literally be throttling. You get nervous around anything that takes you out of a place of control. Now, some of you are like that in the natural, and I don't want to pick on Pastor Rowena, but I'm going to for a couple of seconds. Uh, and this is actually a, uh, not a bad quality, but I remember the first time I just fooling around, tried to pick her up. And as I went to pick her up, I mean, the flailing around that began to happen, I don't think because that she was afraid that I would drop her, because I mean, look at me, that's not going to happen. But I think it was that feeling of being out of control was very uncomfortable and maybe not knowing what I was going to do. And we joke, we go to the mall and, and uh, at the mall, there are escalators, and Rowena is always very, very deliberate about any of these moments in her life where she's got to focus on making sure that I, I'm controlling this transition. 
Now, not in the spiritual realm. She's not like that at all. However, in the physical realm, when she's going downstairs, I watch her. She calculates it out. She grabs onto that handrail. Me, I'm like, whoa! I just run down the stairs, and whatever happens, happens. But for her, she grabs onto the handrail, and she's very precise about each step. So when we go to the mall, and there's an escalator, uh, she goes to step. I, I love to make a cat sound right at that. And just to try to scare her, because it, like, it throws her off of that precision of getting on the escalator. That, that whole, I need to be in control, is actually going to be a problem for you in the spiritual realm. Not that you're out of control, but handing off control to the Holy Spirit can be a very scary thing for some people. And this is maybe you, this idea of, whoa, 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 what will happen? Oh, just really bad things. It's going to be, the Holy Spirit's job is just to embarrass you and, and make a fool out of you. No, right? He's here to help you. But in order to help you, you're going to have to give up some control. You're just going to have to. And that's why we invite you into moments where you're surrendering control to the Lord. It's like, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to worship like a nerd. I don't, th- I don't think that there is any such thing. Well, uh, what if I'm not doing it right? I see some people like this and some people like this and some people like this and some people like this. And then I see some of the little kids shooting webs and they're <laughs> learning to transition from Spider-Man to worshiping God. Um, listen, uh, worship is about you stepping into God's presence and lifting him up, experiencing the presence of God and giving him control. But throttling happens when you're like, oh, I don't want to be out of control. Just so you know, you are not in control. But you want God to be in control. And so by worshiping him, even, you know, you're know, you not even in control of your money. One of the reasons why we do giving messages, not so that the, the offering will be higher, it's so that your finances will do better. And by giving, you actually are making a statement, God, you're the one who gave me all of my money. I'm returning a portion back so that my heart is where it should be. And I am once again establishing you as being the one in control of my money. Doesn't feel good to, I mean, if I give, some of you, you freak out the idea, you really, really want to give, but you don't. You just don't. You know why? Because you're so terrified that if you don't have control of your money, what will happen if you get in a situation where you need it? Don't raise your hands. Don't point at the person next to you. This, this, this is the reality of trusting God is about putting yourself in situations where you have to trust him, where you don't have control. Your control has gotten you to where you're at. How's that going? It's just not, it's, it's, it's so, such a step down for what he actually has for you. And so don't throttle the Holy Spirit. There's a verse there that says, don't quench the Spirit. You know, you know how like you, you go into the shower, you ever done this, you haven't turned the hot water up hot enough and it's been running a while, you just jump in and it's still cold, you're like, whoa, or the opposite, We've jumped in and it's full blast hot and your skin's like peeling off down on the, down the bottom of the tub. What do you do? You, you throttle. You take control and you adjust. And what I would encourage you to do is not throttle, not quench the spirit of God. Some of you that you show up late on purpose. You know why? Because worship makes you nervous. That at, towards the end of the message, you'll get up and go use the restroom, not because your bladder is small, but because you don't want to be in a position where you actually have to do what the Holy Spirit is wanting you to do. And I want to tell you, that's okay. We've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And when you finally give in to God, you'll find that, what was I so worried about? This is so much better. So much better. It's, this is so much better to let God have control than me be in control because I'm such a lousy captain of this ship, but he's the amazing eternal captain of the ship. So give him control. Don't throttle. Don't throttle the Holy Spirit. Don't get nervous. He's not going to make you, he's, he's here to, and, and in your room and in your car and wherever you want to engage with him, he's there to help you. But you got to get, try your white knuckles or whatever t- color your fingers turn when you're squeezing onto that, those handlebars or that steering wheel as tight as you can to have control. You're going to have to peel those things off and allow him to begin to drive. He's a better driver than you. He's a better driver than you, I promise you. Okay, so um, the next step, uh, the next reason for airlessness or a lack of Holy Spirit activity in your personal life might be because of waiting. Now, waiting isn't a, waiting isn't a bad thing because we're supposed to do what? We're supposed to wait on the Lord, okay? But there's a difference between passive waiting and active waiting, When the Bible talks about waiting on the Lord or waiting on the Holy Spirit or waiting on God or it's not a sit back and let it come to you. Waiting on the Lord is about you leaning in and looking for what God has. Waiting, some of you will buy into this mindset of, well, you know, if God wants it to happen, it will. And I want you to know the devil doesn't want it to happen. And when you don't lean in and take what God has for you, it'll sit right on the shelf. Just like that $85 million vase, because you didn't take the time to reach it and grab onto your treasure, it sits idly while you struggle through your life, waiting. Now, there could be this mindset where you walked into church today saying, I wonder, I wonder what they got. I wonder, I wonder what songs we're going to sing today. I wonder what God's going to do. I wonder if, and, and if you wait long enough, you'll walk out and you'll be like, man, church wasn't, it just wasn't cracking today for me. God's spirit is always active, but if you sit back spectator-like waiting for something to happen, the wind will blow, but your sail's just not up to experience the impact of that wind right? Um, In uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, the disciples were told to go and wait for this promise of the helper, to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. But when you read the scripture there, they weren't sitting in a chair wondering when the postman would come by with a package. They weren't waiting for Amazon to show up with a box. They were actually, the Bible said they were in prayer, They were talking together. They were praying together. They were singing together. They were looking. It's like the difference of knowing that this this property you're about to buy has a treasure in it. And it's the difference between buying that property and putting a lawn chair out in the front on the end of the property and waiting for the treasure to jump up and out of the ground as opposed to grabbing a shovel and starting to dig for what you know is already out there. That's, That's, this is a you thing. Now, one of, the, one of the things I'd be concerned for you, if you get into this, this spectator mentality or into the consumer mentality, you will always walk into church as if this is Sizzlers waiting to see what will be served for you for you to enjoy. And that's not who God is. God's desire is for you to come in and lean forward. The Bible says, I will be found by those who look for me. 
Draw close to God and he'll do what? He'll draw close to you. Now, for you early, younger believers, there's something to be said. God will visit you. He's going to show up. He's going to light you on fire. He's going to blow your mind unexpectedly. But, you know, as you, be, you begin to develop a little bit of maturity, you don't have to wait for that to happen. You can experience that happening by just leaning in. It doesn't matter what songs they sang this morning. I mean, there are, I do have some favorites, and there are some songs I can't stand. Uh, not that we don't sing any of those, uh, but there are, through the years, there have been some songs I can't stand. They just don't work for me. And, and, and maybe, maybe you find yourself in that category. I knew this older couple in church that I worked at in Longview when I first moved to the Northwest, John and Verla Christofferson, and then they were probably in their 80s. Pretty healthy, wonderful couple. Never, they would always sit in the front row. In fact, when worship started, their hands were always in the air. They were just very engaged in all things. They served. They were part of the church. They were faithful in so many different ways. They are a wonderful, wonderful older couple. And I had a conversation with John one day, and I just, I was meaning to deliver a compliment. I said, John, I just, I so appreciate you. You know, sometimes when people get older, they get crotchety and kind of mean, <laughs> And in the process, uh, they don't smile. They come into church. They fold their arms. They're not singing my song today. But I watch you. You walk in here. You love what's going on. You sing at the top of your voice. You're excited about modern worship and all that. He says, whoa, 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 back it down. Uh-uh. Some of what you're saying is not correct. I said, what? It's the first time I heard John ever talk negative. And John said, I can't stand the songs that we sing. I was shocked. He said, but don't tell anybody I said that because it doesn't matter what songs we're singing. I can use those words to engage with the Spirit of God and experience God's presence in my life. I mean, he already was a giant in my life, and he shot up to a, a, just an icon to me. The fact that I don't love what's taking place, the style, I'd much rather have a different style but I refuse to allow a style to set my agenda. I don't need anybody to deliver me a meal. I know how to cook it myself. Now, for a new believer, this place, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's like coming to a gas station. It seems like, I remember me as a young believer, it's like, oh my gosh, my tank is empty and the devil's been kicking me in the butt and I gotta get to church. And I come to church and inhale like what was going on. Walk out like, oh, blow bloated spiritually. And then as I would make my way through the week, because we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, right? So I could eat twice that day. Then Monday, the devil would, I felt like the devil was punching me in the face. And Tuesday, I'd get my tail whipped, but church is Wednesday. And I would walk in, walk out of church on Wednesday night, just filled up to overflowing. And uh, while that's okay for new believers, that is not the function of the church for spiritual believers. Uh, we have three adult children, and when they were small children, we cooked all of their meals. They didn't know how to do it. And as they got a little bit older, we taught them how to feed themselves. And as they've moved out of the house, they've got no options. It's survive, baby. And so you learn how to eat, and you cannot survive on top ramen, okay? You've got to learn a few other things. And so our kids all seem to be eating well, and they're thriving, and that's awesome. So they feed themselves. Now, we still have them over for an occasional meal. The other day, uh, Rowena cooked this amazing soup. It has, uh, had these little dumplings in it, had some kale, had some sausage, 
I was eating that. Was so, it was so good. But Rowena cooked so much, it was like overflowing out of like this. It looked like a bucket that she was putting it in, to put it in our fridge. And I was like, that's days and days and days of this awesome soup. And uh, she made some sort of comment. I was like, what? Uh, I saw her with a ladle, and she's spooning it out a considerable amount, in my opinion. Maybe it was only this much, but to me, it seemed like this much. Spooning it out for one of our children. I'm like, we're giving away our soup? It's my favorite soup. That child knows how to cook. Give them the recipe. And yet we had to deliver this soup to one of my children. I don't know why all three kids, thankfully all three kids didn't get some soup. There was still some left for me. I like, if there's any fight at the parish house, you can know it was about one thing, food. It's all we ever fight about, all right? And, and I, I tell you that story because while our adult children know how to cook for themselves, there are times when we do stuff like them or for them or have them to our house. I'm not saying as a mature believer, you shouldn't be able to walk in here and be able to feed. But if the only time you feed is when you walk in here, you are starving. It's not healthy. Our, our job is to help you feed yourself. And I've heard believers say like this, oh, I'm just dying on the vine. I'm languishing. My church isn't feeding me. Your church is not designed for your feeding. If you're starving, that's on you. We got an hour, hour and a half together every week. It's meant to help kickstart your cooking for yourself and to help add some ingredients into that cooking. But this is not the feeding station for mature believers. In fact, the mission of the church is to equip the saints for works of service. It's to actually help you to come in and help you to cook for other people in the community who have nothing to eat. That's what the role is. So this idea of like, oh, my church, I just feel like I'm starving. I used to hear this, not here. I used to hear this in a church I previously worked in. And all it is is a bunch of whinings of a bunch of entitled over lazy Believers who can't lift their hand to read their own Bible. Am I being sarcastic? No. Unfortunately, I'm being honest. We have more Bibles, and they're on audio, they're on video. You can YouTube it, you can download it, you can have someone read to you in a different accent. You can have someone read to you in Valley Girl. Gag me with a spoon, the disciples said. I don't, you know, some of you are like, what is, some of you are like, what's Valley Girl? I, it's from the, like the 90s or something like that. You can get almost any interpretation of the Bible to feed yourself. And yet Bible reading is at its all-time low in the United States of probably any generation since this nation was birthed. And that's why we're struggling in this nation. One of the reasons why you and I have the word of God and we have the Holy Spirit to help us. Well, I'm not gonna sell many DVDs of this series, okay. <laughs> Just waiting for it to happen. So don't let that be you. Don't let it be the attitude, well, if it's God's will to touch me with his Holy Spirit or God's will to fill me with his spirit or for me to experience anything in the spirit. The Bible says to stir up the spirit within you, to engage the spirit of God, to walk in the spirit. That's on you and I. That means that the Holy Spirit's there, available. It's like the vase. Pick it up and do something with it and extract the value out of it so that you don't have to be in poverty so that you can thrive. Okay, maybe I pressed on that one a little bit too much, but let me <laughs> press on something else to get the rest of you um, 
who are feeling like, oh, I, I'm doing good. Yeah, okay. Um, airlessness can be the result of leaking. Now, just uh, entropy is a reality in the world that we live in. You can take a brand new car, put it in a warehouse, come back 30 years later, it'll be falling apart and won't work. You build a sandcastle, it's awesome. Come back tomorrow, even if no kid crushes it, it will be not in as good a shape. Physically, we experience entropy. It's the idea of things slowing down. They rarely get healthier. They get less healthy. And it's part of the curse of the world that we live in. And spiritually, we experience spiritual entropy. How many of you have had, woo, I'm soaring on the, me and the Lord were hand in hand soaring through the clouds, and it's amazing. We've all had those experiences. And then over time, what happens? There's a cooling off. I just want you to know that that's normal. There's not anything wrong with you. That's going to happen. I remember when that first happened to me after I gave my life to Jesus, I thought I was backsliding. I don't love God the way I used to. It's been two weeks, dude. <laughs> two weeks. You've known the Lord for two weeks, okay? Uh, a, you do love him, but the wind, the ability to capture the wind will leak. I, um, again, working in my basement with my, my air gun, uh, got unplugged one day in the middle of the process, but guess what? I was still didn't realize it, and I was still able to nail in some studs, and it was working. And then there came a moment where the nails just weren't going as far into the wood, and they were sticking out. So I had to grab my hammer and tap them in. What's going on? And then there came the part where one of the nails was sticking out about an inch and a half. And I realized something has come disconnected. And I, it's a reality. After I'm done praying, I feel like I can walk on water in about... Five miles down I-5, some of that leaks out because of the people who drive are in front of me. <laughs> or Costco will do that to you, or your family members will do that to you, or just in your own head that will do that to you. Definitely turn on a political podcast. That'll help out a lot. That'll drain <laughs> everything. Think about the future of our nation. Watch social media, whatever's trending in your feed, and like you're like a balloon. You're being propelled by the air leaving, not the air coming in. But because that's normal, I would just want you to know that you can constantly lean into moments of refilling. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, just as in case you had any questions about drunkenness. The Bible says it's sin. Don't be drunk. It doesn't say you can't have a glass of wine. Some of you shouldn't have any. That would be just wisdom, but it says don't be drunk with wine because that is a wind in of itself that will push you in directions that you should not go. But it goes on to say, be filled with the Spirit. The word filled there is not a one time, it's now done. It's an ongoing, perpetual being filled and refilled. It's one of the reasons why I have to pray every day because the air just leaks out. The strength dissipates. The, the revival within my heart and within my soul has a way of diminishing, and I don't want it to, so I build myself back up in my most holy faith. Because if I go too long, then I find myself in a place of hunger and the inability to even help myself if you go too long. Second Timothy reminds you to fan into flame the gift of God that's within you. So the church really does, as we gather, becomes a secondary source for refilling, but mature believers understand their, they use their dashboard of their spiritual well-being and they're able to say, why am I so ticked off? Oh, I need, I need, to, pray. I need to pray. 
You know, some of you just need a friend that will tell you that. You know, because the world becomes really stinky. Like everything's glass half empty. My, everybody's against me. I, ah! Go and pray and things will look completely different. Get into the spirit of God. Get into the presence of God. Okay, let me, uh, let me give you, can I give you one last one? Okay, yes, please. They're begging for more. <laughs> You're being polite. I was just being polite, really. Okay, uh, substitutes. Uh, let me just give you this one really quick, and uh, worship team can start getting ready to get ready. <laughs> um, you know, the, I would say this, that my observation on the Holy Spirit in our modern-day churches is that the Holy Spirit has been replaced. The Holy Spirit, he's the one that reveals truth. It shows us what we need to do next, what we need to be doing, what we need to be engaged with. That's part of the Holy Spirit. How he helps you is to know what's next. He's the revealer of truth. He's the one who revealed Jesus to you in the first place. It wasn't great preaching, although preaching was probably used. It was the Holy Spirit lighting that truth on fire, burning it into you so that you could actually see it. And so the Holy Spirit speaks, but he's on a frequency that we notice at first, and it's a strong frequency because we've not heard that frequency before, but it's also a frequency that's very similar to some other frequencies that speak into our lives. One of the greatest concerns I have about the lack of people being empowered by the Holy Spirit is they've allowed the Holy Spirit to be replaced by another internal voice called the voice of feelings. Anybody you woke up, well, don't raise your hand, but you woke up today and you didn't feel great. Anybody you woke up and you felt awesome. Anybody you woke up and you felt good looking. Anybody you woke up and you felt ugly. Anybody you woke up and felt like I'm a loser or you woke up and felt like I'm a winner. How many of you have felt all of those emotions since you woke up this morning? <laughs> and though, though our emotions speak to us very strongly, and we live in a culture that loves to massage to death, or to life actually, the role of our feelings. Don't say that. You don't want anybody to feel bad. Oh. Somebody feels bad, it's now being incited to violence, okay? You know what? If you have a flat tire on your car, if I had one on my car and I'm driving down the road, what's going on? It would be great if somebody said, you have a flat tire. In fact, I was going down the road one day and some guy is like trying to get my attention. I thought he was trying to flip me off, but he was, uh, I don't drive for any, would there be no reason for him to, I'm an excellent, I'm an excellent driver. He's trying to get my attention and what he's trying to get my attention was, Somehow something had, he saw it on the road, it slashed the sidewall of my car, of my tire, and the air was quickly leaking out, and I was at an exit where I could get off and get some help. Thank God he got my attention, right? And so the, the Holy Spirit, um, trying to get our attention, when, because he speaks and it's an internal voice, a lot of times our feelings can also speak to us and and want to inform us of things that are not necessarily in line with biblical, scriptural, or, or principles. And it's valuable when someone speaks truth, even though you do, 
You don't like it. Do you like all truth? Do you like the truth of how much money is actually in your bank account? I don't like how that feels. I thought I had more. I would feel better if I had more, but I can't live like I have more because I'm not the government. I can't just print money. And we're going to see how that's going to turn out at some point. But, and I don't think it's going to be good. But if you know what your balance is, then you can act according to truth. And knowing the truth, even though when it's a hard truth, will help you to take the next step. I'm amazed in the North American church how if, if somebody from the pulpit says one thing that, you don't, that a person doesn't like, I just feel like God is calling me to a different place. We've got into so much affirming our children that we cannot point out error. One of the most valuable things that you can do is tell your child when they are wrong. Why? Well, are they going to feel bad? Yes, they're going to feel bad. They're going to cry. They're going to writhe. They're going to fall down, and it's going to look like convulsions and death. But no, you cannot put the fork in the electrical outlet. I'm sorry. I know I'm trying to keep you from life's greatest joy, but no, you can't do that. Why? Because the truth is I really desire their best. It's amazing how this desire to feel good walks into the door, and the truth is, God's the Holy Spirit, because he's, he's, he's crafting a better version of you for your future, he's got to sand off some of the rough edges. And you know how he's going to do that? By sanding it off. And some of it's going to be the words that he speaks so gently and so softly to your heart, and then sometimes he's going to deliver it through somebody from behind the pulpit you're like, who are they and who do they think they are telling me that? Is that your place to say that? Or why are they always talking about that? Well, my answer, my request is, why are you so triggered by that? You're always talking about, actually, no, the Bible talks about it more than we do, but get really quiet. Maybe the worship team should come. <laughs> you know how you know it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? With everything within your flesh, sometimes you hate what he's saying. I've yet to yet to talk to too many people been like, yeah, I've been talking with the Holy Spirit and I just feel like he is saying, and then when they say the rest of what they're about to say, what they say actually reinforces their feelings. But so many times when the Holy Spirit speaks, what he speaks cuts across grain of my feelings. In fact, over and over, people heard from the Holy Spirit and it was not what they wanted to hear and yet it was the right next step and led them into a better place. If all you ever do is feel good here, we're not doing our job. If all you ever do, there should be moments when you are mad at me, where you feel like your spouse called me up and gave me a list, and I read verbatim down that list, and now you're mad at your spouse and me for this collusion to point our finger at you. Anybody you've ever felt like that? Go ahead and stand with me. I feel like I, maybe I went too far. Stand with me. <laughs> Worship team, come on. Um, the Holy Spirit's job, again, it's not, he's not always going to make you feel bad. But how many of you know that truth kind of can be kind of painful? How many of you love it when you're, you're, somebody standing next to you says, will you stop acting like a jerk? It happens. How does that feel? What is your first reaction? Shut up! I'm not acting like a jerk. You're a bigger jerk than I am. 
you don't, you're not perfect either. Why, why do we react that way? Because 99% of the time we could be like, yeah, you're right, I'm acting like a jerk. Because we don't like to be called on our stuff. And if the Holy Spirit's here to help us, he's got to get us to stop hurting ourselves and stop, start, stop flushing the goodness that God has for us down the drain to get us to lean in, embrace the good things he's got for us. And that's going to have a, a, an element of a burn to it. There's been a few times where people have come to our church. This is the greatest church on the face of the earth. It's so amazing. Everybody's so friendly. It's so, oh, the word is so powerful. The worship was so great. Everyone, the food is great. The coffee was free. And, and, I, and I'm like, wait for it. Let's wait for it. And then about five or six weeks later, well, I didn't know you guys were that way. Listen, God draws you so often by using good things to capture your heart and capture your attention. But like in your marriage that you didn't know your spouse was this way, there's actually some things about your spouse that God has placed there to bring out a better version of you. I didn't know you were this way. You wouldn't have married me if you did. But actually, this is a good thing that's I'm this way to invite you into a better version of your future. And that doesn't always feel great. I like to challenge people, you know, when they have a not so good experience after a little while in our churches, you do me a favor, write down five reasons why God has called you to this place. And let's see if we can line one of those things up of how you're feeling into one of those slots. I just wanna be a great leader. Well, maybe you're doing some things that will keep you from being a great leader. And so that conversation will come across in a sermon or a conversation. That actually this uncomfortable thing you're feeling is one of God's tools to peel away something that shouldn't be there to replace it with good stuff. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want you to pray with me this last slide. Uh, just to let this be uh, your, your prayer as we pray, as we conclude today. If you've yet to say yes to following Jesus, I want to invite you to say yes today. As we pray, Lord, I'm going to follow after you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. And I want to invite you to step into that moment. If you've already said yes to following Jesus, I want you to pursue this idea with us about come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I only know this much about you. I need to know so much more. If you're my helper, I'm being helped, but I want to be helped so much more. I want to be empowered so much more. I want to sense your closeness so much more. And so we want to pray along those lines, not just today while we're here gathered, we want to pray that way all throughout this week so that it's an ongoing conversation so that we ramp up the pressure in the, in, in the compressor so that we're able to sail through our week and be more effective, okay? All right, Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, step into your presence today to gather as a church family. Jesus, we thank you for leading us and guiding us. Jesus, we thank you for giving your life for us. And we say yes to following after you. We thank you that in your departure and now being seated at the right hand of the Father, you have actually sent one to help us who will never leave us and will never forsake us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. In fact, you're within each believer. As we step out the doors today, we've got something better than an $85 million vase. But we need to learn how to function in that spirit. We need to learn how to embrace that spirit. We need to learn how to hear the spirit. We need to... To, to understand better how to be empowered by the Spirit, how to hoist our sail and capture the wind of the Spirit of God. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Not here just in this moment, 
Not here as we sing this final song. Not here as we take the next half hour to meet and greet and enjoy coffee together and conversation. But Father, we invite you to send your spirit into our lives in a way that carries us into our homes, carries us into our family, carries us into our sleep later tonight, that carries us into the new day tomorrow, carries us into the workplace, carries us into school, carries us into relationships, carries us into business meetings and into financial decisions that carries us and empowers us and helps us as we live for you in a way that draws other people. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Give them a Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 